Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast with yours truly, Matt Minnick, joined as always by Michael Rogner here on, it's, it's August 30th, actually, August 30th, 2020, the, the fun year that it's been. Uh, and and so we actually haven't come to you in, in probably about a month and a half, but, you know, the basketball world seems to pick back up again. And, and today's Dwayne's Bacon's birthday, tw- 25th birthday. Uh, so we, we figured maybe that'd be a great time to, to get back on the mic here and celebrate Dwayne hitting that big three-point shot at the end of the UVA game up in Charlottesville to silence that crowd. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Yeah, happy birthday, Dwayne. I think, we, I think we actually just missed Patrick Williams' birthday and Devin Vassell's birthday. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick Williams turned 19. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's only 6'8", 225, 19 years old. So. Yeah, I, I think he's going to do all right in the upcoming uh, NBA draft. With, and I'm sure know. we'll talk about that, too. Uh, we'll get into – that's probably one of the factors of this leading him to, to rocket up some of the draft boards uh, lately. Yeah, for sure. And Vassell is not exactly an old man. No, I believe he's a year older, right? He's 20, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. So. A lot of, a lot of Virgos, I guess, with the Florida State basketball program. Um, but so how, what have you been? Have you been, let me ask you this, Michael. I know previously from our conversations, you've not been a huge NBA guy. Um, I have followed it. I've, I follow it pretty closely, to be honest. And some of that has to do with fantasy and some of it has to do with just, um, you know, those guys are really, really damn good at basketball. But with the NBA being the only thing on lately uh, for most days, the last month or so, have you, have you caught any of the action? Well, when, when, when players leave Florida state, that's typically about the last time I ever see them play, you know, because I don't watch the NBA. It's just, it has, I don't have a team. It's not that interesting to me from an X's and O's perspective, Uh, but I have been so starved for sports that I started watching it. You know, once 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 that started back up in the in the bubble, and now I'm all in. I was I was just watching the Celtics Raptors play. I've been I've been watching a lot of the games. I've of course tuned into the Clippers to see if, if they're going to bring Man in off the bench. So yeah, I, I am I am I'm an NBA expert now. I think I've I've, I've watched probably 25 games, so I'm I'm there. 25 games. I feel like you could be. I mean, you might as well do an NBA podcast now, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's actually why we're coming to you, you know, so sporadically as I've been doing my NBA stuff on the side. Yeah. Did you happen to catch, uh, speaking of T-Man, did you catch his, I get, well, he was one, I want to say one assist shy of a triple-double uh, in their last game before the playoffs started. Did you, did you catch that? Yeah, and it was great to see because the, the bench knew it, you know, and they were all just – this standing and cheering the way that he does, you know, all the time, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, will him to that extra assist. And every time somebody missed a shot, they would groan. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately he came up one short. I tell you what, I, he, he took over in that overtime. I mean, the game probably happened, I don't know, three or four weeks ago now, but they, they went into overtime and it had kind of been a back and forth affair. And I think in overtime, he had maybe nine points, a couple of rebounds, a steal, a block, and and man, you know, <laughs> no pun intended there, but watching Terrence Mann grab a rebound, you know, lead the break and step up into like to like a you know an in transition off the dribble three. This guy's putting in a lot of work to get better. I mean, that he has really can, he made a ton ton of progress between you know sophomore year to junior year and then junior year to senior year and full credit goes to him and then as well as, you know, Stan Jones, and coach Hamilton, and at the time coach Gates, but uh, he's continued to accelerate that progress. He, he looks like a legit a guy who could be a legitimate role player in the NBA for years to come. Absolutely. And the way that they're using him is really interesting. You know, he, he, he was very rarely in a lead guard position at Florida State, and then he goes into the NBA, and they immediately turn him into a lead guard. So, so that has been an interesting thing to watch, and it's it's going to, you know, I wouldn't say it's going to slow down his development at all, but it's going to slow down, you know, his ability to impact games. And I think that, you know, two or three years into his career, once he's really been working on that, um, you know, we'll we'll see him, you know, playing a lot of minutes for somebody. I don't know if it'll be you know, for a team like the Clippers who has the best player in the world at his position ahead of him, um, you know, or at least, you know, a couple of really good players. Um, but he'll, he'll be playing a lot of minutes for somebody. Yeah. yeah I kind of, I've, I've, I almost might have the opposite. I think he might do it for the Clippers. Uh, I, it's to me, it feels like somebody who, who had a, a, did a great thesis in their undergraduate program. And, and now they're almost doing a postdoc. And, and he's studying underneath the greatest uh, person in the world at his, you know, career field uh, in his position. And, and to be honest, you know, I don't, Kawhi's not a guy that I don't know that Kawhi is going to be in one city for 15, you know, 10 years. And I, I could see three years from now after, after learning from Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George and Terrence Mann at that point would still only be maybe 20, 25, 26 years old. And, I could really see uh, him him kind of taking the reign. Not that he's gonna he's not Kawhi Leonard, but him kind of stepping into the starting lineup in in LA and and leading their kind of post Kawhi uh, team, if you will, and bringing that same kind of mindset. Either way, it's got to be exciting for someone for his, for the whole man family and for someone like that to be able to learn and, and develop under under people like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, Along the NBA line, I think there's some real, there's a lot of similarities, growing similarities with the NBA and college basketball in terms of the lead guard position. And and we're going to talk about some lead guards that were recruited by Florida State later in this podcast. I think we're going to, we're definitely going to get to the 2021 recruiting class. We're definitely going to get to next year's team with that has a lead guard kind of like that with the Scotty Barnes. And we're just going to talk about uh, the, the upcoming draft in general, but does it, does there seem to be that in your 25 games that you've watched, are you noticing any similarities with what Florida state has tried to do in the last couple of years on offense or the way they've space and pace that have you seen a team in the NBA that that reminds you of? Well, a lot of, um, you know, the NBA is, is kind of running on this, very uh, increased offensive complexity around the ball screen and a decreased defensive complexity. And it's like, they're simplifying the way you, you defend ball screens and they're, and they're really amplifying the, the you know, so it's like this, this uh, arms race that's going on around um, ball screens and, and Florida state, you know, is a pretty heavy ball screen offense. They're not, 
um, you know, crazy, but I, I would guess that they're probably in like the, you know, the 70th percentile or 60th percentile somewhere in there in terms of, of how often they, they end plays with, with ball screens. So I, it's, it's really been, you know, interesting to kind of watch how that is playing out in the NBA. You know, you've got these, these teams like the Rockets that just ISO everything sometimes and, you know, and then other teams like, the, you know, the Clippers are, are certainly fun to watch. Uh, uh, Toronto, um, uh, Boston, you know, they're, 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 they're running things that if you turn on a Florida State game and just watch, uh, you know, one possession, you're, you're going to see those, those exact same concepts being run at the NBA level. And, yeah. and that, that is very helpful for, you know, scouting guys like, um, you know, Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams, because they're, they're already in a system that that's kind of, that's kind of based on the, the NBA, you know, college is always going to be several steps behind, but it, you know, at least the rudimentary, uh, you know, building blocks are all there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Spurs and Warriors are two other teams that I think if you, and neither of them are in the playoffs, so you can't turn on a game and watch them right now, but when those teams are healthy, that, uh, you know, you're going to see some similarities both in terms of, of the switching. The Warriors love to switch on defense and, and as well as some of the ball screen work. Obviously, the huge difference, anybody who just watches an NBA game, you quickly, it is very apparent that these guys can shoot the lights out. And, and so the amount of space that you have to cover in the NBA is just a lot more. I mean, people like Dame Lillard and – you know, Steph, they're pulling up from 40 feet. You legit have to extend your defense out to 35 feet just to be able to to cover the court. Uh, and, and which which exactly – that's why when you hear people talk about Devin Vassell, um, they rave about his team defense and ability to be able to get into passing lanes and the length. And, and these are the types of players that Florida State's producing. Uh, John Isaac is already an elite defender in the NBA that – that are needed to be able to cover the geometric space that is required in today's NBA basketball. It's, it's no longer like triangle offense or get down on the block and have a big man, you know, work the post. I mean, you have to be able to pretty much cover the entire half court of, of, uh, you know, of the court. So it's interesting to see the other thing though, that could be a pretty big similarity here is the bubble. And, and so what has your been, you know, what, have have you think you know the bubble? Do you, what do you think of the bubble? Has it worked? Seems like it's worked. Well, it's been brilliant. I mean, whoever came up with the concept of of, of the bubble is, I, I hope they're they're doing well financially. That was just a, a brilliant decision. I think they went like five weeks without a positive test um, among the players, um, and you've got if you're looking at it as a model for you know what could the what could the college basketball season do you know coming up you know a bunch of little bubbles one big bubble you know it's it's it, it's opening up a lot of possibilities and you're seeing um you know all the all the sports outlets starting to pick up on that and and, and discuss you know about college basketball in the in the bubble era and and see what happens but i think i think that is definitely going to come into play and it should come into play um you know in terms of getting the season off to a timely start and then, you know, keeping players and, and staff healthy during, you know, during that start. Yeah, it, it is. At, to your point, it has absolutely worked from the health perspective. I mean, they, there's almost no guys missing games because of, because of COVID. I think from a mental perspective, you, and, and there are also a lot of other contextual uh, realities to, to take into you know, this conversation here that we're probably probably not going to have in this conversation, but it, at least acknowledging that the, there are a number of other non-basketball related issues, very worthy issues that are going on that are impacting uh, the, the emotional um, aspect of these players. But I have heard players talk about like, man, it's tough being away from your family or being away, like being in this bubble for weeks and weeks on end. And, and the NBA is a grind, you know, they're playing best of seven game series. It, it makes me wonder if in college basketball, if you could almost do it in waves in leagues also don't have, you know, college conferences don't have the money to pay a million and a half dollars a day or whatever it is that the NBA is paying, you know, Disney world uh, for all the hotels and stuff. But, but I do think you could do it in waves where maybe you have like, Hey, maybe there's a holiday tournament type of thing where you take cities like Atlanta, Greensboro, um, Orlando, 
Charlotte and that have multiple arenas, right? Like if you think about Atlanta, you could, you can play in Georgia state's arena. You can play in the actual NBA, the place where the Hawks play. You can play in Georgia tech's arena. Uh, there's some other smaller colleges and university in the area that you could play in and you could probably have a small bubble type situation where people are tested coming into it. Uh, and, and if, if there's a positive, you know, that player sits out or maybe a whole team does and they have replacement teams like we saw with the basketball tournament over the summer. And, and so you kind of do that maybe for two weeks and then you can go back and get guys rested and, and, you know, practice a little bit and stuff. And then, and then the ACC can come back, uh, you know, maybe a few weeks later in January and have another bubble in, in maybe Charlotte or, or Raleigh or something, uh, maybe even bring a couple SOCON teams in to get some out of conference games. And again, you do that for two or three weeks. The beauty of it is, is that these guys can take school virtually like they probably will be doing anyways. Uh, and then, and then come back and, and rest a little people go home and recuperate. And, and you could probably play a full, at least I would say a round Robin of 14 ACC games that way. Um, but what do you think about that idea? Yeah. The reason that the college tournaments are so much fun, you know, the holiday tournaments is that, you know, you get eight teams together, 16 teams together, and, and you come out with a winner, you know, on the, on the weekend. So that's, that's one style of bubble that you could do is, you know, you, you bring together eight or 16 teams, um, you know, you could do it in a place like Atlanta, maybe do, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the logistics, but 16 teams, maybe even 24 teams, something like that, you know, and do a tournament style. So winners advance, that kind of thing. Losers have a loser's bracket. So everybody gets in you know, say five games over the course of 10 to 12 days or, or whatever. And then you've got the conference type bubbles where you're just there to play everybody. So there's, you know, there's not going to be a winner at the end, but, you know, you might be able to get in four conference games and you do, you, you do that three or four times and there's, you've got a conference schedule. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. And I, and I, and I, I hope they're, they're exploring it seriously because, the alternative of just everybody traveling all around the country um, on their own kind of just feels like a recipe for failure at this point. The the traveling around on their own does feel like it's just asking to be, it's, it's not even, even taking the health aside. It's just, reduces the margin for error, right? There's just so many more, oh, well, that person has to sit out now. It just, the bubble, the bubble works. We've seen it work in the NBA um, and, and so I, I don't know why it wouldn't be replicated. And to your point, you know, if there's 15 ACC teams, look, you can have almost bubbles within a bubble or like pods within a bubble. And there's, there's some teams that are going to play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, and some are going to play Monday, Wednesday, uh, Saturday, which isn't all that different from the, from the spacing of a normal college season anyways, where you'll have a game on, on Wednesday, Saturday, and then sometimes the following Monday. So it's not all that different. And, and you, yeah, you can get chunks of six or seven games in at a time and, and then rinse and repeat. It, it would seem like the NCAA tournament would have to follow some type of bubble, even if they did the regions, if they took the four regional brackets and did it in kind of their own bubbles and then came together. I just, I don't see a way that the NCAA can function for another year if they miss out, if they have two consecutive years of not having the thing that makes them 95% of their money, you mean, they already canceled the NCAA tournament last year and a two in a row would just seem to be a, a death knell. Yeah, there absolutely has to be an NCAA tournament this year. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, that there has to be one and, and having set, you know, setting up the season with a series of bubbles kind of, kind of gives the NCAA a chance to work out all those kinks and figure out how it is that they're going to put together a 64 team or 68 team um, tournament at the end of the year, um, you know, using the bubble format. So you, you, you kind of work out all the, all those, all the problems, figure out what works, what doesn't. And then you put together a really solid tournament at the end of the year, which is going to remind people of the current NBA playoffs, which is, which are working great. You know, uh, you, you mentioned the social problems, you know, of course, you know, that, that is, has crept in to every aspect of society. So of course it's going to creep into the, to the NBA, um, you know, bubble, but, you know, three or four months from now, who knows what's going to be happening in the world. And, and the, regardless of, of, you know, whether games are getting canceled now or, or boycotted or, or, or whatever, 
um, you know, it's still providing the model for, for how you run a successful, um, you know, tournament with a bunch of teams. Yeah. So now all we have to do is hope that the, uh, I mean, the NCAA has just proven itself over time to be just a, a really efficient and really, you know, kind of model organization for being able to run logical and, and thoughtful processes. So I guess, you know, we'll just leave it up to them to get it done, right? Yeah, that's a good way to describe the NCAA. You know, <laughs> luckily, though, the greed is going to win, you know, and, yeah. and the NCAA has had no problem, you know, kind of showing their colors there. So they'll, they'll figure out a way. Well, and here's the thing, too. Um, so last night, I, I actually did not watch it, but Austin P, I think, uh, and some other crappy football team played. Uh, and apparently, the, I mean, so this was a real live college football game. Um, if, if that is happening, if, if two shitty college football teams are managing to play in August, um, I, I cannot imagine that next March the NCAA is going to say no to, you know, a billion dollars or whatever, whatever it is they make. So I, yeah, I, t- I tuned into the, 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 our Slack channel on Tom Nation last night and they were talking football and I'm, and I didn't realize that there was an actual game going on. And then, and then I started thinking, have I missed like a Florida state game? Like, you know, what, yeah. the, what the hell's going on? Yeah. But apparently Florida state is not playing last night. No, we, I, it's another couple of weeks. I've got, I got my tickets. Um, they, they, you know, they asked us to, to season ticket holders were given the opportunity to choose essentially from one three game pack or the other three game pack so that we can social distance in the stadium. And I, I went with the one that had the first game, the, the Georgia tech game thinking that, well, at least I'll get, I'll get the first game in maybe. So uh, yeah, you're, was, you're guaranteed a game. That yeah. Way. That was the <laughs> logic behind my decision there. Um, you know what also though, so going back to some basketball stuff and kind of maybe closing the loop on some of the NBA um, that is, is so wonderful to provide this great bubble model for us. But what's also taken place within the last 10 days or so, I think it was 10 days ago. Exactly. uh, Is the NBA draft lotto happened. And, you know, so if you're not familiar, the lotto is where the 14 teams that don't, the the NBA has 30 teams, 16 make the playoffs. So 14 that don't make the playoffs, uh, they are then put into a lottery situation to decide the, the, top 14 picks in the league notwithstanding any trades that have been made for picks in previous years and and the teams with the worst records are given the best odds of finishing at the top but they are not guaranteed the way it is in football and that's to prevent um you know so the teams aren't incentivized to tank so there's really not a difference between having the worst record versus like the fourth worst record and anyways the lotto happened um and at the top were some of the teams you might expect that were horrible. Uh, the T wolves, the warriors, uh, I think Charlotte and the bulls are up there, both made a bit of a jump and, and looking forward, uh, in October will be the NBA draft and FSU is going to feature quite, I mean, we've had draft picks recently, right? Dwayne Bacon. We just mentioned uh, his birthday. He was, he was a second round draft pick. Uh, Fiondu was drafted in the first round a couple of years ago. Terrence Mann, um, as we talked about, was a second round, one of those second rounders who's really looks like it's going to pay off for him. John Isaac was a lotto pick a few years back and he's when healthy been, been good. But, but this year feels a little different because this year it seems like Florida state could be the school talked about during the first round of the NBA draft. I mean, they, of all the universities, uh, the, the one with the best chance of having two lotto picks, two top 14 picks, is Florida State. Did, did, that seems like a sentence that would have been weird to say a few years ago. Would have been weird to say a few months ago. I mean, it is, I, I don't think that we really saw Patrick Williams as a, as a one-and-done lottery pick. Um, you know, maybe you did because I know you were really high on him, but but it just in general, and and then Vassell also developing into a, into a lottery pick in his in his second season. Both of those things were certainly possibilities, but to have them happen is is remarkable. But yeah, I've I've kind of gone through other teams, and I don't really see anybody who's who's threatening to have two lottery picks. About the about the closest I can come up with is is France. You know, so they're, they're, the country yeah. of France has the country of France, <laughs> right, maybe. Um, 
but yeah, I don't see and and for Florida State, the last time we had two first round picks of of any kind, I think was ninety three with Doug Edwards and and Sam Cassell. Neither of them were lottery picks. Uh, you know, so Florida State has obviously never had two lottery picks in the same year. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really remarkable. It's it's going to be Dave Cowens was the fourth pick overall in the draft. Um, I think George McLeod was another guy. So you know, John Isaac. So so Vassell and Patrick Williams are, are both popping up in the fake drafts. Um, you know, as kind of in that range potentially. You know, the yeah. the, the high the high end of their picks are kind of in that John Isaac. Uh, uh, George McLeod range. Um, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And, 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 and for a, for a fan who's just getting into the NBA, it's super fun to see, you know, how successful of uh, Florida state is going to be in this draft. And, and yeah, they better be talking about it. If they're talking about one school, they better not be focusing on Kentucky and Duke like always, you know, they better be talking about Florida state. Yeah, no, I, it will be impossible not to talk about Florida. I mean, it's honestly possible that Vassell and Williams could go back to back something like pick seven and eight or something like that. But um, I, I, God, I wish that this was a year that they could have of all the years, not to have an in-person draft. It would be so great to see ham sitting down there, you know, in the green room or whatever they got Madison square garden or something. And, and sitting there with, with Pat and Devin, who, if you follow them on Instagram, both have pretty good style and they'd be, you know, dressed, dressed to the nines with their suits and stuff. And, That'd be, that would be just a cool, cool moment, but hopefully they can still get some, some zoom footage or virtual coverage or something. I, at this point, um, and, and I should note that we should have some, some draft sort of pre, we will have some draft preview stuff coming up on, on Tomahawk nation. Uh, Kevin Little's got some, going to have some breakdown articles coming up of both Devin and Pat. And, And of course, as the draft, you know, as it gets closer to October, I'm sure we'll, we'll have some, maybe even do a mock draft, but, uh, it, it's interesting because Devin Vassell probably has the highest floor, maybe in the entire draft. Uh, by that, I'm like, he, he's, he just seems like a surefire. He will be able to contribute to an NBA team, uh, either with his three point shooting or his defense or, or both that he just has such translatable skills to what the NBA is trying to do. We talked maybe 10 minutes ago about, you know, you see some of these things in Florida State system that you see in the NBA, and, and Devin Vassell embodies that. So he's got a really high floor. I, I probably, if I were an NBA GM, would start to consider him around pick four, and really would like him in that in that six, seven, eight, nine range because it's it's a guy that you know you're getting a contributor. Frankly, if Luke Laux has any control of what Golden State's doing, uh, they they need to trade. They're at pick two trade pick two down to about pick six and, and draft Devin and plug him in immediately as a three and D wing that could help them, you know, in next year's playoff run when they need some depth, Patrick, it, he, so he just turned 19, I think four days ago, youngest USA, uh, us player in the draft. His floor is much lower. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't have a t- ready-made shot uh, from, from three like Devin does. He, he, he is still, work I think thinking his way through defense although clearly you know the physical attributes are there I mean a chiseled body a little bit maybe slow sometimes on the lateral quickness but but really length strength physicality can get to the rim it's all there Um, his ceiling in my opinion is one of the top five in the draft his floor is also you know not near as high as Devin's his floor he could have a uh, if he doesn't reach his potential, I don't know, maybe not quite the career that, that one would want, but his ceiling is really, really high. If he puts it together, you're talking about a Paul George type of player. Uh, and, and so if you're Michael, just, you know, this uh, budding NBA expert that you are, do you want the guy that's got the, the high floor or the sky high potential? I guess it depends on where I'm picking. You know, this year's draft, you've got, what is it, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and James Wiseman are, t- are talked about as the top three picks. I don't know. Yeah, and there's, there's uh, Killian Hayes up there, too, is, is, could, be, could be in that top range in the USC center. But, yeah, those first three you mentioned. Yeah, I, 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 and I just don't know that I want any of those guys. You know, if, 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 you, if you win the lottery this year, I don't know that you're getting that much more value than, you know, somebody who's picking third or fourth. 
So if, if I, if I, if I am a, uh, picking kind of higher in the draft, I would take Pat Williams first. And if I'm picking probably in the nine, 10 range, I would take Devin Vassell first. And, and the reason is that, um, you know, you, you want someone just a solid who can contribute in that, uh, in that, in that space around nine or 10 or, or eight or 12 or, you know, whatever the pick is. Um, and if you draft Devin Vassell, you're going to, you're going to get a player who's going to contribute right away. You're going to get a player who's, who shows flashes of being able to do some really special stuff. But if you're a GM that's picking a little higher, you know, I, th- I think that you're, you're more willing to take a risk. You've, you're likely the GM of a team that stinks. You know, you've, you, you're looking for, you're really stretching for someone who's going to be a star. And of those two players, I, I would agree with you that, that Patrick Williams has a higher ceiling. And I would, I, would, I would probably take him just because he has a better chance of being a star. And at some point, if you're a GM picking in, you know, picking in the high spots, you've, you've got you know, to grab Jason Tatum. You know, you've got to grab somebody who, just, who becomes a, a, a stud. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're not going to be a GM anymore. And, and Patrick Williams probably is that guy more than Vassell. Yeah, and, and I do want to note I, – I do not want being a role player in the NBA is a good is a good thing. Let let's take a step back and realize how many really really good college basketball players are not even in the NBA. If you go look at European rosters, you see guys who were all Americans in college. Um, and so, being if Devin Vassell, I think his ceiling and and. Look, Devin, if you're listening, I hope you go prove me wrong. You, you, you were a guy that was a three-star recruit. I happen to be someone that thought NBA was in your future already, even then. But um, I, I hope you prove everybody wrong and, and go win a league MVP. But um, if if I'm being realistic, I think that Vassell's ceiling is kind of like that that maybe third best player on a on an NBA like a title contending team. So not not the guy that you build a title contending team around, right? That's LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, whatever. And maybe not even the, the Dwayne Wade sidekick of the title team, but like that third guy who is going to make shots for you when it matters. He's going to get, you know, be part of defensive stops. He, he is uh, just in high IQ and, and able to contribute in several ways. So that, that's kind of the ceiling for Devin Vassell. But his floor is so high that, to your point, if you're already a contending team, if you're a Golden State, if you're um, the Bulls that are maybe one player away from contending, if you are the Spurs that are picking there at like 11 or something, why not grab someone that can help you right away? Um, If you are uh, the T-Wolves or maybe – you know uh, the Hornets or something that just they're not one piece away they're a lot of pieces away Um, maybe swing for the fences and see if you know if if Patrick Williams reaches the kind of ceiling that is like this dude is 6'8 physical and and can take over basketball games Um, so I I think we might be saying the same thing I I, it all comes down to team fit to be honest I hope neither one of them goes to the Knicks that would just be I would feel bad for both of them. I don't know. Hope the Knicks pick Edwards. I, I don't want Anthony Edwards on my team. That's inefficiency in, in a basketball player, just personified. But uh, do, you, do you have a team that's in your 25 games that you've watched that you would say, ooh, I could like it if, if Devin goes there. That'd be fun. Um, well, I, he's not going to go to Milwaukee. He's not going to go to the Lakers. But I, I think if he ends up on a team like that, where you've got someone who is, you know, like Giannis or LeBron, that is just really big physically, that constantly demands double teams, that always has the ball, you know, so that there, so that he is the guy out on out on the perimeter, serves the guy sitting in the corner. He's he's got to have a long career. Um, so, so yeah, I think that style of team would really fit him well. And you, you mentioned earlier role players and, and so I just, I just happened to click on, um, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the Clippers roster here. So I, 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 pull, I pulled up, uh, um, Joaquin Noah, uh, the, the Gator. And I, I know that he's, he, he had times probably in his career where he was more than a role player. He's made the all-star team a couple times, but he's made $125 million. You know, so, yeah. yeah, you know, he was as, never, as, he was never the star player on a team. That's for yeah. sure. 
yeah and and he is and he has done just fine for himself yeah so uh, Devin could you know when we're saying he's not going to be the best player and on 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 a great team he could also you know wrap up his career with a couple hundred million dollars made you know over that time and, and good for him yeah I I if if Devin went to the Hawks, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, you know, Trey Young is, is very ball dominant and, and it could need, they, they need defense and they could use someone to stand in the corner when Trey Young um, starts to draw double teams. That would be really interesting. I also think the Spurs, uh, the Spurs would be a, a pretty unique fit. Um, so th- those, are, and I already mentioned Golden State. Uh, but Pat, Pat could, I could see, man, Pat could, Pat could fit in with a lot of teams, but honestly, he'd be interesting with the Hornets, um, giving giving them some some more defense, and they've got a nice young point guard there, and and maybe let Pat kind of team up there with some of some of the existing young pieces and and build for the future. But uh, or the Pelicans could be interesting too. What do you, what do you think about a Zion and Pat Williams uh, team? I'd, I would I would watch that team. <laughs> I would watch that team too. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah, that. yeah. I, I I don't know how. Uh, I'm I'm still. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm on the fence about Zion. I mean, he's he's obviously a massively stud players. He's just he's been a little injury prone, and and you know who knows. But yeah, that that team put put another guy who can just jump through the gym, and and that would be an awful fun team to watch. It would have been oh, – I, I think Memphis, with the previous trade, had to give their pickup to the Celtics or something. Or, but, man, if you'd added either Devin or Pat to Ja Morant uh, and, and Brandon Clark and the stuff they got going in Memphis, that would have been – I mean, you talk about a, a big big guard and, you know, an athletic guard. That would have been something else. But I don't know – I would have to check the, check the order again, but I don't know that Memphis is going to be in a position to get – if you're not picking the top 15, I don't think you're getting either Devin Vassell or Pat Williams. Um, we, we will, we're going to go to break, uh, go back and, and see if it's still raining. Cause it's, that's all it does in Tallahassee these days. And when we come back, we'll shift gears from talking about some players that were on last year's team to maybe looking towards this year's team and, and the future as well. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Uh, So we had... We just had that nice discussion about Pat Williams and Devin Vassell, both guys with legitimate lottery aspirations. Who? Uh, let's look at this year's team, the 2020-21 team that as long as the NCAA can figure out a way to do some sort of bubble, I think I, I feel good about seeing them on the court in some form or fashion. Um, is there anyone from this year's team that next year we're going to be having another conversation about the lottery? Yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be the new guy. You know, Scotty Scotty Barnes is is uh, is I, I I don't know. He's certainly not a lock to be a lottery pick, but he's going to be talked about all year. You know, in in that group, you know, Kate Cunningham. There's a couple. There's a couple guys that that you know, G, took the G League route that are taking the G League route that'll you know be in that discussion. But Scotty Barnes is you know this. Um, you know, freshman stat stuffer, and he's and even on a team like Florida State, where he's not going to be playing a gazillion minutes, he's still probably going to put up, you know, like say fifteen points, seven boards, or, or you know something like that. Um, you know, plus some assists, and and uh, so yeah, yeah, he'll he'll be discussed there. And and honestly, I don't know that that anybody else on the team is going to get drafted. Um, you know, maybe Calhoun might have a chance, but it's hard to it's hard to evaluate JUCO guys before they get here. Maybe, but maybe Balsa has a shot at it. But I think looking at next year's team through the NBA draft filter, we're t- we're talking about Scotty Barnes. Yeah, yes, I, Scotty Barnes is. It, I tell you, if if he had any semblance of a perimeter shot, and hey, Scotty, I hope I hope that's developed. That's, I mean. If you're if you're uh, following FSU hoops and stuff on social media and going, I mean, these guys are working. They're not 
they're not sitting around uh, playing video games right now. They they are working. And, and Scotty Barnes, uh, the the latest I've seen of him, he is a a chiseled, muscular, physical individual. Dude, dude doesn't look uh, eighteen or nineteen years old. But um, if he had a consistent three point shot, you'd you'd be talking about a, a top three pick in the draft. Um, as it is you know, he still fits what the NBA is trying to do. He, he does that kind of um, Draymond Green type of forward who can, who can push the ball up the court, pass, shoot, kind of. Uh, Draymond has had games where he can shoot. I would call him a shooter. Uh, but, but really, really strong defensively, guard multiple positions, can play make for others, uh, can, can draw fouls and get to the line. Uh, can rebound, can block shots. I mean, that's what Scotty Barnes has. He's just more athletic than Draymond. I mean, he, he can also finish above the rim, which is not something you see Draymond do a lot of. So he is what the NBA sort of is looking for. I don't know that – I feel confident in saying that unless he wows us with a shot, he won't be a top five pick uh, because Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Greg Brown. I mean, the 2021 draft is loaded – uh, but I do think that Scotty Barnes, it would be, a, I think, a bit of a surprise if he's not a top 15 or 18 pick uh, and could easily get into that top 10 with, with a good showing. I'm, I'm going to – Sadar Calhoun is, is someone that – you cannot take anything from the Juco film, uh, just like you probably can't take a lot of stuff from high school film or AAU film, to be honest. But like Devin Vassell, this is all I'll say, Similar to Devin Vassell, he has very good positional size, and he also comes ready-made with a three-point shot. And if you're giving me a 6'5 or 6'6 athletic guy who proves at the college level he can make 41, 42, 44%, that individual will be drafted. I don't know how high, but that individual will be drafted. Um, What... So I, I will say that I think that some at some point in time, there is a there is a good possibility Calhoun is drafted. Um, maybe even as soon as next year, if he flashes the shot uh, strong enough. What about what are your thoughts on MJ? Is that kind of a Trent Forrest feel to you? Like nah, you know, fringe NBA prospect needs to show a few things. Yeah, he's got a lot of the intangibles. You know, he's got good size. He's strong. He he's uh. You know, I, I don't believe in clutch, but he's been he's been pretty clutch. You know, in, in games, he you know he can shoot, but but nothing really pops like you need to pop at the NBA level. There's a there's an awful lot of guys out there that are six five that can knock down threes. Well, and and, I don't think I don't think he's a real six five either. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, he, having stood next to him, I think he's more like a six three and a half, six four. Yeah, and so and so to be able to to get into the NBA at that height, there's just there's just so many guys. You know, if you're six ten or six eleven, there's there's not that much competition at your position. But if you're you know six five or six you know three and a half or whatever, there's a gazillion guys out there that are that are that can fill it up. And so I think he's going to have to show the ability to really fill it up. And I'm talking forty, you know, three forty four percent this year. Yeah, he's got to get that um, 42, 43. Yeah. And then you know, and then he'll get a look. But he, but at his age, the, that look that he's going to get would probably be a second round pick. Right. I mean, Draymond Green. We talked. He was an All American in college. I mean, I, was he one of the best? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He was one of the best players in college basketball his senior year. His senior year, yeah, he he was the best player in college basketball per the the, the Pomeroy rankings, which okay. are pretty good. So he's um, the best player in college, and he was a second round draft pick. And he was a stud all four years that he was at Michigan State. Yeah. He was a stud. It's because not, it's not like age. he developed late. You know, he, I mean, he, he was on everybody's radar and was the best player in the country and then was a second-round draft. Yeah, so I think that if, if you see Trent Forrest's name go undrafted or, or MJ Walker, that does not mean they don't get a shot. And, and look, Draymond Green, you talk about someone making hundreds of millions of dollars in his career. Dude's got three titles or whatever, you know, like – I think his contract right now is 130 million or something like that. Um, so listen, you can go and prove yourself. That's just not what the NBA drafts for when they're drafting the top 20 players. That's just not the the type of person who is getting drafted. It isn't the 24 or 23 year old senior that checks a lot of boxes, but doesn't have any one elite skill. Um, 
So I don't know. Yeah. MJ would have to really tighten up that handle. And like you said, get it up into that 43 ish percent range. What about Raekwon? Same thing, right? Like you got to be elite at something in order to get drafted. Yeah. Everybody compares them to, to Draymond and, and Raekwon gray, I should say not Evans. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the people compare him to, to Draymond green because he looks like him. Yes. It's a size body type. Um, but if, if you look at Draymond Green at the same age, he was already a really, really good Big Ten player. And Raycon Gray has, has shown flashes of being a good player. He's, you know, he was driving last year. He was occasionally making shots. But again, you know, another guy who just hasn't put it together, you know, to the point where the NBA is going gonna, is gonna to take, ser- take it seriously. So l- luckily he's, he's only a, a junior, so he still has time. Um, but he is getting up there with age. So it, it's, it's going to have to happen quick if he wants to play in, in the NBA. And, I mean, there's no knock against him for, you know, being a three-star recruit and not making it to the NBA. Uh, but my, I, my hunch for him is that he's going to be a pro, you know, somewhere, else, somewhere other than the NBA. Yeah, well, every single guy I think that has had their name mentioned on this podcast in the last 20 minutes will be a professional basketball player. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go ahead and eliminate that. We, we are talking, again – all Americans go play overseas. So um, every single one of these guys will, will be paid lots of money to play basketball. Um, Raekwon, I, 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 he, would, he needs to make that jump, uh, a significant jump this year, not his senior. He needs to make a significant jump this year uh, to get, I think, in some serious NBA conversations. I, I, actually, I honestly think he could be an NFL draft pick at tight end, to be quite honest. I, I think he'd be given a flyer in the sixth or seventh round as a tight end. Um, but so maybe, okay, there's probably people out there thinking, I thought I turned it tuned into the FSU basketball podcast, not the NBA podcast. Um, (laughs) so let's think about, forget the NBA draft aspect. These MJ Walker, Scotty Barnes, Calhoun, Gray, Bolsa, even polite is, I guess, a guy who in theory, if he had a strong enough single skill set, uh, could, could, you know, get a little NBA uh, potential, but what about in college basketball? What, what are your, it's August. We still have a couple months away, but what are you starting to marinate around in your brain for some college basketball success by this year's Florida state team? I mean, can they, can they be a two seed again? Can they repeat as ACC champs or regular season champs? Well, last year's team, one last, you know, one last uh, NBA thing is last year's team was probably the team to win the national title. Uh, the, looking back over the past 25 years, you've got the average team that won the title has five draft picks on the roster, and 1.7 of those happen in the uh, in the lottery. Three, three over three of the draft first round draft picks on average per team. So, so last year's team, you know, with those two lottery picks, is probably the team to get it done. And, and this year's team, I think, is going to is going to take a step back, which is. Um, you know, it's hard not to when you're when you're a Take two a step seed. back Florida from a two seed from a, from a potential title team. <laughs> right. So, so Florida State is not going to finish the season ranked fourth in the country or third or whatever. You know, yeah. we finished at, yeah. at this at this year. But that being said, um, a lot of of national college basketball writers are setting themselves up once again to look like idiots every year come March or at least the past few years. All these college basketballs are like, wow, how did we possibly underestimate Florida State again? <laughs> yeah. And, you yeah. know, that's, that's March. And then you fast forward to November in the beginning of the season and people don't have them in their top 25. And so I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, early top 25s without Florida State in it. And I just think it's silly. I think, I think Florida State is probably belongs somewhere, you know, in the high teens, you know, like 18, 19, you know, somewhere around there. You've got this core of players that is coming back from a great team. You know, Osborne, Walker, Polite, Gray, Balsa, um, you know, even Raekwon Evans committed uh, uh, some pretty significant minutes last year. And then you're adding the highest ranked recruit in the ACC, you know, to the team. Um, as well as arguably, you know, the, the top, two, you know, the second best um, Juco player in the country. So, you've, so you've, you've, you've got this core of really good role players. We talked about role players in the NBA. We've got a lot of great or, you know, really solid role players on, on uh, you know, Florida State's team. And then you're adding two guys that are, you know, have the ability to, to put up 
uh, you know, loads of points in very different, different ways. And so not having Florida State in your top 25, I think those writers are, are making a pretty big mistake at this point. Yeah, it's at this point, I just, I mean, look, what, do, I, what was the podcast? I mean, a couple months ago. Yeah, it got to be a few months ago now, but we talked about how FSU hasn't had a, a first team all ACC player since like uh, Thornton or something. Uh, Douglas, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I guess it was Tony Douglas. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's just horseshit, right? Like, you think about a team that just finished fourth in the country is going to have two lotto picks and and the guy wasn't a first team all ACC player. Like, okay, whatever. Um, I kind of feel the same way about the preseason basketball uh, rankings. It's just, like you said, every, every, oh man, Leonard Hamilton constantly overachieving. Uh, maybe we flip it around and say uh, college basketball journalists constantly underachieving at their job. Exactly. Uh, Cause it doesn't seem to me that it would take a whole lot of um, critical thinking to say like, all right, well, yeah, they lost two or three players, but still returned six. So six contributors, not just six randos. Um, it, it doesn't, I don't, I, I, it would be a unique set of circumstances with injuries or whatnot for us to not be a top 30 team, you know? Um, but I, I think we will probably have, we'll get into this more deeply as, as uh, it gets closer to the season, hopefully, but I would agree. I think Virginia is probably the best team in the ACC coming into the season. Uh, they were really playing well towards the end and, and Duke, as is always, Duke will have loads of talent. Um, Coach K will still find a way to have only a seven or eight man rotation, despite having nine or 10 top 50 players. Uh, but they will roll out with their, with their eight. Uh, but I, I think Florida state is, has a lot of, has a lot of, or, uh, interchangeable parts that Leonard and Stan must be really excited about. And, and, you know, we didn't even mention uh, Ingam who's coming in from, from Canada that can kind of serve as a rim protect the big, the big guy can serve as a rim protector that maybe was missing a little bit last year. Uh, even if he only plays 10 or 12 minutes a game. Uh, so that, that'll be a nice, nice benefit to have. And you know, the thing about how COVID has changed some of the, the workouts and practice schedules and whatnot, you know, hey, I want, give me the team then that has a guy like MJ Walker coming back. Give me the team that has a guy like Malik Osborne or Anthony Polite that are there's three or four years in the system that if, if, if we've had disrupted practice schedules, if coaches haven't been able to be around guys as much, if it's more on, you know, individual motivation to go and learn the system, well, I think it's kind of nice. Maybe we should be talking about the teams that are, you know, like the Iowas of the world, but um, the teams that are bringing back players who have three or four years in their team system. Yeah, you, you mentioned Duke, and they're, they're going to have a lot of young guys again. And North Carolina is the same way. They're, they're, they're totally stacked from a talent perspective, but a lot of it is, is, is really young. And so – I would agree that Virginia is probably the best team in the ACC. And, and, you know, their, their model is kind of like Florida state's, you know, you, you get guys in, you get them old and, you know, and that, and that's, that's the way that, that, that you win. Um, you know, from a talent perspective, Florida state's roster does not jump out in any way, you know, from other ACC teams, Duke has nine top 50 guys. Florida state has seven guys that were even evaluated by, you know, by, by the services, yeah. you know, you know the, the, their ninth, their Florida state's ninth guy is not a, a top 50 recruit. He's a never was analyzed recruit. Um, you know, Florida state has three blue chips on the roster. You know, you know, the only teams that have fewer are Georgia tech, Boston college and wake forest. Um, you know, everybody else has has more so tied with Syracuse, but everybody else in the ACC has more, and so it's it's really reliant on that that age that you're talking about. You know, these coach coach Ham's bringing back a team that's got some experience. You know, they've they've got even even though they weren't stars, it's it's very valuable experience, and and that's what's going to see Florida State through this year. And and if you're if 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 you're a writer out there that's just just looking through the the you know, the, the recruiting rankings, then yeah, Florida State's not going to pop in any way except for Scotty right. Barnes. I mean, Sadar Calhoun, he posted this on Instagram, but he, he showed handwritten letters that he writ, wrote when he was in high school 
begging um, NC State, I think, to give him, he was from the either lower Virginia, like kind of Southern Virginia, you know, near Raleigh area and begging NC State to allow him to walk on or give him a, you know, a look right in high school. Um, and they didn't. And, and he went Juco and, and I, I think he will probably have a big game against NC State if we, if we play them uh, in, in this, I don't know what this, the schedule is going to look like, but I wouldn't be surprised if he made seven or eight threes. Uh, so yeah, from a talent, from a, I shouldn't say a talent standpoint because Devin Vassell had a lot of talent, but from a um, recruit ranking standpoint, Florida State is not a top 10 team. However, uh, maybe this, that's a good segue. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Rogner. There is a top 10 ranking. In fact, there's a top one ranking that is associated with Florida State recruiting, and that is with the 2021 class that you want to talk about lead guards and you know, big guards who can shoot and pass and dribble and, you know, be switch it, play multi-position defense. This 2021 class seems like it will be a monster. Yeah, I, I actually I click on those rankings pretty much every day just to see, hey, Florida State's number one class in the country. I don't, I don't know that it's going to stay that way unless we land another big recruit. We'll, we'll definitely finish probably in the top five. Uh, but yeah, this this class is just stupid. It's it's the you know you've got the three guards that are that are obviously getting a lot of attention, and then John Butler, you know, this seven one guy who can hit threes, you know, is is hardly getting any attention at all. Um, yeah, it's 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 a special class, and you know what I like about it is that you know we're getting guys. Um, that can come in and be effective on both sides of the ball. When you're when you're playing in high school, the ball the ball screen concepts are just so simple compared to what you have to do in college. And all three of those guards, Jalen Worley, Matthew Cleveland, and Bryce McGowan's, um, are all really good ball screen players. And you have to you have to be to play at Florida State um, if you if you want to get minutes. You not only have to play defense, but you have to be really effective, you know, running screens and and those guys are all it. You know, so so they're gonna come in. We've we've talked in the past about how hard it is to sustain a program without landing, you know, top hundred guys consistently. And here comes a class with four of them, you know, and they're and they're going to be entering onto a team that has, you know, potentially, you know, polite as a senior, Raekwon Gray as a senior, Sadar Calhoun as a senior, you know. So that that is it's 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 hard not to look ahead to 2021, just salivating over over you know the potential for that team and the potential for those for those guys to you know and watch them develop and and, and win a bunch of games. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been looking, I've been looking ahead on the calendar for 2021 since about April. Uh, but <laughs> that is uh, just for, for other reasons, but yeah, it, it is. I think when I started to really sort of grasp the level of this recruiting class was when uh, James, so James Graham, a guy who's not committed to Florida state, uh, he, he went to Maryland. Is that right? He committed recently, yeah. I think to Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. We're, we're talking about a top 75, sort of, if you will, a, a four-star version, like a top 60 or 70 version of Raekwon Gray as a recruit, um, you know, big guy, can dribble, can shoot, really someone that would, in most years, I would be excited about as, as maybe our second best um, kid in the class, right? Like, because we, we typically have, have we seem to have gotten in this rhythm where we're, we're landing one kind of top 25 type of player, and then, um, you know, filling out the rest of the class. And, and so this, James Graham would have been a guy that I was pretty pumped about. Uh, and he waited too long, quite honestly. And, and it's pro- probably would have been at Florida State if Florida State had the room to bring him on. You could say the same thing about James White, uh, who's a big-time shooter in Atlanta. And you could say the same thing about Josh Minot. All three of those guys are, are very good recruits, and all three of them probably did not – uh, didn't no longer had it had a spot open for them uh, in Florida State's class, and that speaks to how much talent is being brought in. Uh, and and it's a it's a class that I don't think that maybe, maybe I'm saying this hopefully maybe I'm I'm trying to speak it into existence, 
I don't think that all three of sort of the big three recruits, if you talk about John Butler is not getting, he might have to redshirt, not getting quite as much attention. And then Naheem McLeod is, uh, is a Juco that will definitely provide some defensive presence, but uh, coming in Juco, all three of the big three high school recruits could have one and done potential. I, I hope that, I, I don't think that all three will, but I think you could pick any one of the three and say that could be a one and done yeah, absolutely. They're they're right there. Um, you know, just in terms of rankings, they're right there where Patrick Williams was, who was who was one and done. And in terms of skill, you know, you, you see guys with this kind of skill level and talent set every year going going one and done. I would I would think that Matthew Cleveland's the most likely of the three to be one and done. Um, but yeah, you 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 never know what's what's going to happen once the guys get here. We we did not peg Malik Beasley as a one and done guy, and, and he's right. obviously been successful. We didn't peg Devin as a two and done. I, I had him maybe as yeah. a three and done, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so these these guys are are that level of, of of talent, which is it's great to be talking about three you know three potential one and dones in the same class when you know it, it usually takes about five years of recruiting to talk about three different one and dones. Right. And, and the, just the, the positional flexibility that the team is going to have. I mean, you mentioned, let, let's say that Polite and Calhoun are still on the team and Osborne. I mean, so Polite 6'5", uh, Calhoun 6'5", 6'6"-ish, Osborne 6'8", uh, Matthew Cleveland 6'6", uh, Bryce McGowan 6'6", Jalen Worley 6'4", uh, you know, Raekwon Gray 6'8". So the, I mean, just the positional flexibility uh, to, to truly – not all those guys can start, uh, and that's the beauty of FSU's system is that you can be Pat Williams, not start, and still be a top-ten pick. <laughs> or you can be uh, Fiondu and never start a game and still be a first-round pick. So not all those guys will start, but you almost don't lose anything when anyone else is on the court. You still have length. You still have shooting. You still have um, playmaking skills. You still have uh, multi-positional defense. It's, it's really remarkable – the kind of flexibility that's going to be on the court. Um, if you had to, this is in no way we're gushing about all of these players. So I don't want to make it sound like anybody's being talked less or more than the other, but is there one of the three that, or, or we'll throw in John Butler there too. Is there one of the four that their just skill set really kind of captivates you in like a, wow, I hope this person continues to work hard. I hope they are able to, continue the same rate of progress and and that could really be a superstar is there one standing out to you it's got to be butler i mean i would imagine during his his recruitment that they showed him a lot of film from from john isaac um i know i know that steve smith was his his lead recruiter and and smith wasn't here when when isaac was around but but i'm guessing that that that's the kind of thing that they're selling him on you've got this seven one guy who can knock down threes he can he can you know, dribble the ball. It's like, um, I'm sure when he, when he's in his driveway shooting, putting up, putting up threes, he's, he's, he's Giannis, you know, but, yeah. but uh, yeah, that the Butler skill set is it's, it's hard not to be intrigued by a seven, one guy with guard skills. I, he has not proven anything at a high enough level to be given the name unicorn, but he does kind of evoke those Porzingis type of, uh, I, I just, when you, when you see the shooting and, and the dribbling, um, like free, you know, Giannis or Porzingis, uh, to go in a different direction, just to, to be able to give a little voice to someone else. I, the progress I've seen from Bryce McGowan's between maybe 12 months ago to now is, is really remarkable. And, um, you know, his, we know his brother, Trey, we, we've seen him play multiple times, play well against Florida state multiple times. He's now out at Nebraska transfer from Pitt, but, uh, Bryce, does not maybe quite have the physical frame to be I, – I don't know if he can be one and done because he doesn't have that Pat Williams sort of 225-pound physique. Uh, he's, maybe his physique is more on the spectrum towards Vassell than, than Pat, uh, although maybe not quite as, as skinny as Vassell. But his, his ceiling to me is, is pretty high. Uh, the – you need to see him get a little more consistent with the three, but the range he shows on the three is, is deep, deep NBA range. Uh, the ferocity with which he goes up to attack the basket is real. Uh, he is throwing down on kids. 
and and his vision quite honestly i mean he he can be he can step in and be that lead guard and and have seven assists a game easy I, and so i think bryce mcgowan's to me is someone that is really i think on the doorstep of i, I don't even what is he a four-star prospect maybe mid-30s i if i were ranking people it would be hard for me to find 20 guys higher you know with more potential than him yeah, if you can shoot, you can shoot. It doesn't 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 matter the level it translates. So you've got the potential if if he can tighten up his mechanics a little bit, you've got the potential of a freshman coming in, you know, from day one and and just being that guy that's knocking down shots. And, and yeah, that, and that is a skill that you cannot overvalue. And and the mechanics do need to be tightened up. Let's let us let us just put that out there. Just like Devin Vassell's mechanics needed to be tightened up a little bit. Uh, very similar to MJ Walker's. Who I mean, that's not a an uncommon thing for high schoolers. So, you know, his dribble can get a little loose. Uh, he kind of sometimes palms it or gets a little high with it, uh, which is not unheard of for someone who's six, six that has velociraptor arms and is still growing into their body. I mean, mind you, we're talking about a high school senior here. So game has to be worked on, but the game is there to, to be a, a big time basketball player. And the same can be said for Matthew Cleveland and the same can be said for Jalen Worley. So I don't want to, maybe the next pod we can flip and talk about those two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fascinated by Worley. So I'd, 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 I'd like to opportunity to talk about him at a later date. Yep. Well, we, we I'll give you that opportunity, sir. Uh, for now, I feel like that I haven't, I don't have the stopwatch on, but we probably push in an hour and uh, folks deserve it. It's been a long time without, without college basketball talk. So I hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll be back you know, hope, hopefully we can start getting more consistent again with the season coming up. Uh, for, take it, uh, have a good rest of your weekend, Michael. You as well. And, and uh, you watch some of these NBA games. Yeah. I'm well, the guy now. Second round. <laughs> sec- the East second round should be pretty good since all the top teams uh, move, moved on. Absolutely. Yep. All right.